Would you stand with me uh, right now and let's uh, read together aloud uh, this passage from Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, in appearance as a man, obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, that is above every name. In heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. You can have a seat. The mystery of God emptying himself and becoming a man, the mystery of the Word becoming flesh, the Word incarnate is the word, the, the, the term that we use. And, and as a little kid, I remember first time hearing the word incarnation. So just for some of you younger folks, just want to say, when we say incarnation, we're not saying reincarnation. We're just, the reincarnation means coming back in a bodily form over and over again. We're talking about God doing this once. God becoming flesh. And, and there's something about this, about the person, Jesus, and his name. It's very special. And so I, I want us to uh, say a short sentence out loud. And this is a little sentence that, that we're just going to repeat to remind ourselves of what Jesus came to do and what his name means. So I, I want you to say this sentence after me. The Lord saves very good. Try that one more time. Lord saves. All right. Now I'd like you to finish the sentence for me, okay? I'll say, the Lord saves. The Lord saves. The Lord saves. Very good. All right. Well, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And sometimes I think, though, that we get stuck in yesterday and forget that Jesus Came, what he came to fulfill today and fulfill for tomorrow. You know, this awaited king was born into the frailty of, of a human baby, so small, so tiny, and, and which rightfully brings out all these emotions. And when we celebrate at Christmas of, of, of uh, tenderness and care, and, and you think of a little baby, and you got all these warm, tender feelings. And, and sometimes... At Christmas, we, we like to remember baby Jesus, but, but we can't always keep him there in the manger. Sometimes he gets fixed in our minds as baby Jesus, and we, but we can't leave him there. This, this awaited king, see, Jesus grew up to be this awaited king, and he stands in fulfillment of his name today as Savior of sinful humankind. And he stands tomorrow where he'll be coming in his power as judge to set the world right and set things straight. 
Yesterday, today, and tomorrow, the Lord saves. All right. I'll cut you off guard there. The Lord saves. Very good. All right. Generations before, we're waiting for the, the son of Adam to be the serpent crusher. They were looking for him. The seed of Abraham that would bless all nations. The coming king who would take David's throne and sit on it forever. People were looking. But the surprise in it all is that God intended all along to come himself. He would be the serpent crusher. He would be the seed of Abraham. He would be the eternal king. God was going to become flesh, to become a second Adam, the bird who made the nest, then had himself hatched inside it. The word became flesh and dwelt among us for a time. The mighty one, the maker of it all, prepared himself a body in the Virgin Mary. That's incredible. And he he made this body as a temple for himself, an instrument which he dwelt and through which he was known. And as far as I know, he's the only one of us born of humans that got to name himself. Did you get to name yourself? Nope, didn't get to choose it. Your parents chose it for you. Hudson, yeah, yeah, good name, good name. But Jesus, the Lord, got to name himself. And the name he gave himself was Jesus, which means the Lord saves. All right, you're tracking, tracking here. So what did this eternal king come to save? He came to save humans. Come to save you and me. That was his purpose. He His purpose was in his name. He was wearing it, and he was growing into it. You know, we humans are like a painted portrait that has become stained and obliterated by external stains so that we no longer reflect the image of God. So God, the artist, he comes not wanting to to throw away his portrait He has the subject come and sit for it again so that the portrait can have the likeness redrawn on the same material. So the all-holy Son of God, the image of the Father, came so that we might be recreated, reborn, saved. Because the Lord... Yeah. But God in flesh, Jesus... He's not just a metaphor. He's not just an allegory. Jesus was really born at a specific time in history, in a specific place here on this planet. You see, I'm talking about the historical Jesus. I'm not talking about a fairy tale. I'm not talking about a myth or a legend. He took up space and time. He ate, he drank, he walked and talked as we do with our bodies. He was not just a a spirit posing as a human or giving the appearance of having a body. The Word became flesh, fully man. Yet, at the same time, He was not limited by His body like we are. Though He came into the world He created, He still sustained the world. 
and gave all things life, he was still fully God, still in constant union with the Father, giving everything, their being, and holding all things together, taking on flesh, though Jesus was tempted, just like you and me. And when I say tempted, I mean he was offered the various choices of sin, just as we are, but he never took the choice. Jesus never sinned. You might wonder how our holy God could become flesh when the mother he chose to be born from was of tainted flesh. She was a descendant of Adam. But I want you to know that Jesus wasn't defiled by becoming flesh. Just like the sun in the sky is not defiled by the contact of its rays with earthly objects, but rather enlightens and purifies them. It's the same with the one who made the sun. He is not defiled by being known in a body, but rather the body is cleansed and quickened by his indwelling. Fully God, fully man, the Lord saves. Right. You see, the unusual nature of the birth of this king was entirely what we needed. Divine help. Help. Help from above. In the past episodes, there was help given by other men, by people we would call heroes, prophets, great leaders, or kings. But their help was only temporary. And they themselves were temporary and sinful. And they died. And after they left, humans returned to their patterns of sin and self-destruction. It never left a lasting change. Jesus was not another man, not an ordinary man, who somehow evolved into spiritual perfection. No, something more powerful than genetics had to be at work to overcome the sin sickness passed on one generation after another since Adam. In the past, there was even help given from angels who were God's spiritual servants sent to do his bidding. But even the help of powerful angels did nothing to change the will and nature of humans. Jesus was not an angel. For though Jesus came to serve, he also came to offer his body, his life as a ransom for many, something no angel could ever do. We needed divine help, but that divine help had to come in the flesh. What did the awaited king's name mean? Man saves? No. Did the awaited king's name mean angels save? No. What does Jesus' name mean? The Lord saves. Yeah. Many of you have heard how the crucifixion and resurrection had to happen for us to be saved. But many of us have not heard how the incarnation, the word became flesh, had to happen so that we could be saved. We are told repeatedly in the scriptures that to have eternal life and saving we need that we must enter the kingdom of God. The first thing that Jesus preached when he came. If we do not become like little children and be born again, we will not enter the kingdom of God. 
You got an idea of how we do that on our own? I don't know how to be born again. I don't know how to do that all by myself. We can't. We can't enter his kingdom on our own. The word became flesh. He came into our world so that we could enter his world, his kingdom. He came in the flesh. And after his baptism and temptation, he first preached, repent for the kingdom of God is near at hand. Change your minds. Change your life for the kingdom is near. That's what he was saying. Change your thinking about what? Change your mind about what? Well, he came into the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to which that was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent or of human will or decision, but children born of God. He came into our world so that we could come into his. He brought the kingdom near to earth in himself. If we change our minds about him and recognize him and receive him as God made flesh, we be can become little children and enter his world. We can start over. Jesus came in the flesh for the kingdom of God and to bring us into it. He came to do what we could not do on our own. No tower built to the sky can get us into the kingdom of heaven. So God came down to us by himself to be that stairway to heaven, the way, the truth, the life. He came into our world so that we could enter his because the Lord saves. Yeah. This awaited king, the serpent crusher, he came into the world in flesh so that he could also destroy the works of the devil. 1 John 3.8, he came into the world to destroy the works of the devil and defeat Satan. Some of those works of the devil we're familiar with, lies, deception, killing, stealing. It's easier for us to identify those particular outward sins as the fruit or the results or the works of the devil. But we're probably less quick to identify that larger work of the devil that hinders us every day. The sin nature that's internal, that was passed on to us after Satan deceived our ancestors, Adam and Eve. Our sinful nature that makes us slaves, the Bible says, is part of the devil's work, the devil's fruit. The Apostle Paul talking about this body that's torn between wanting to do what's right and wanting to do what's wrong. He said, who will rescue me from this body of death? To be free of that body of death, God did what we were power powerless to do on our own by sending his son in the likeness of sinful man in a body to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in sinful man through Jesus. Jesus came to destroy the work of the devil. He did not come to destroy human lives. It took the word made flesh to do that. The body crucified on the cross means 
Our sin nature was crucified there with Him. Jesus. His name means the Lord Yesterday, today, the days to come. Jesus is the same. Do you really like baby Jesus? I do too. I love Christmas. But if you're looking to the future with Christ, it won't be with baby Jesus. Jesus grew into a boy, and that boy into a man. He grew into his name. He came into the world for a mission. Those little tiny hands and feet became man-sized hands and feet that were pierced on a cross so that he could save us. His piercing... (coughs) Excuse me. His piercing and death was just a nip at the heel from Satan. Something planned all along by God. And the devil knows now that that pierced heel of flesh will one day crush his head. And if you put your trust in what Jesus did as God-man on the cross, you will be there to see that triumph over Satan and his works. As part of the body of Christ, the Scriptures say that the God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath your feet. The Lord saves. Jesus, fully man, fully God, the Word incarnate. On our own, as humans, we're just drowning in sin. Jesus, as the God-man, has, pow- has power to remain sinless. He can put one foot on the solid ground of holiness and righteousness, and He can take one step down into where we're living, in the pool of our sin, and He can reach down and pull us out because He is the God-man. If you're drowning in the water, you can yell at the God-man and say, that's not fair. You, you have an advantage over us, Jesus. You're, you're divine. Yeah, you're fully man, but, but you got power. Well, yeah, he needed to have that advantage to save us, to rescue us. And you can sit there and say it's not fair. Or you can reach out and say, save me. Pull me out of this mess. And in that moment, it's a confession of truth saying, Jesus, you are. You are the God-man. You are the Savior. You're the one who can do it, and I can't. I can't save myself. You must become like a little child to enter the kingdom. You know, while we're drowning in our sin, Jesus doesn't come up to us and say, hey, you better straighten up and be good. When you're sitting there drowning in your sin, he doesn't say, hey, stop being wrong and be right. You know, the only distinction Jesus makes between people is not between good and bad people, not between wrong people and right people. The only distinction Jesus made between people was humble people and proud people. What do you think it takes if you're drowning in sin to call out for help? It takes the humility to ask for help, doesn't it? The difference of being humble or proud, it's our choice. If you don't become a humble child, you'll not enter the kingdom. He came into our world so that we could enter his. Jesus, the Lord, saves. Nate is going to come on up here and lead us in some closing worship. 
we don't have the advantage that Jesus had. We're not divine. He is unique. He is unique in that, in that he was, it was God. Us, our spirit is willing, but our flesh is weak. And we need to pray and ask for help, ask for divine help. What did Jesus teach his followers to pray? Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. Jesus gave us some tools to be able to fight temptation, a, a way to escape. He said there's always a way to escape in every temptation. But I know that maybe some of us are, I don't know, maybe we're just forgetting that, that all we need to do is just ask for help, to call on him. We're all tempted. Our bodies are weak, and we need some divine help. Maybe you've been tempted by self-empowerment or New Age thinking instead of dependence on Jesus Christ. Maybe you've been tempted to struggle for your own kingdom instead of living in His kingdom. Maybe you've been tempted to say, it's not fair to the Lord instead of just, Lord, help me, save me. Maybe you've been tempted to recreate yourself without inviting Jesus into that recreation process. You, maybe you've been tempted to avoid crucifying your sinful nature instead of being crucified with Christ. Maybe you've been tempted to trust in karma and a circular life instead of trusting in Christ and the linear life of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Maybe you've been tempted to build your life on Buddhist practices of denial, increasing levels, like, like building a tower to the sky instead of building your life on the ladder that God provides, Jesus, the way, the truth, the life. Maybe you've been tempted to keep coming to Jesus in the manger instead of coming to Jesus on the cross. I just want to take this time and this moment to say, Jesus understands our frailty. Just, just come to him. Just ask and pray. In these next few moments, there's going to be a song. It's a song of worship and, and turning our eyes to Jesus. And we're going to stand and sing. And during that moment, it's a time to call out to him. You can pray. You can pray silently in your head to him. You can, you can come down to the front here and you can physically do something with your body to say, yes, Lord, I need your help. And maybe you need to do that. It's okay to sit in your seat and pray silently. But maybe sometimes you just need to do outwardly what your, your inward heart is saying. So if you need to just get down on your knees, that's okay. See, here I am. Nothing bad's happened. My, my knees got a little sticky from the beer floor, but that's all right. It's all good. It's all good, right? This is kind of a place where the atmosphere, it's okay to do that kind of thing, all right? And you can do that right at your chairs if, if you want to get on your knees, if you feel like, Lord, just, I just need to call on you. Lead me not into temptation. So right now, let's stand together. Nate's going to lead us in worship. And if you need to respond in prayer in some way, or you'd like someone to pray with you, we're going to have some of our, our gel leaders down here to pray with you if you'd like that. Um, and if, if you don't, if you don't want someone to pray with you, you can just come close to these stairs and just, uh, we'll just know if you're around these stairs that it's just between you and God and we won't interrupt, all right? All right, here we go. Let's, let's worship.